Hey everyone, welcome to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, where we are getting rolling with our RV32 series. This is Stefan Leco, and you can follow me on Twitter at Stefan Leco. You're listening to the Patriots episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series, and today our guest is Mike Giardi of NBC Sports Boston. He can be found on Twitter at Mike Giardi. He covers the Patriots as a beat reporter, and in this episode, he talks about Tom Brady and whether or not you should expect a drop-off in production now that he's turning 41 years old. Of course, this leads us to discuss just where Brady will be throwing the ball and what the wide receiver position will look like, specifically in regards to Edelman's four-game suspension. We also take quite some time discussing what you should expect from the running back position, and Mike predicts that Rex Burkhead will lead the Pats in touches this year from the backfield. I'll dive deeper into this after the interview using the Rotoviz projection machine and give you some practical applications heading into your drafts. We finish off the conversation talking about the tight end position and how Gronk could feast this year. Now, as you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching, and it's that time where you need to get some help to get ready for your drafts with a subscription to Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now at 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it supports the podcast. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, Rotaviz is a sports and data analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Now, let's bring on the guest. I want to welcome Mike Giardi to the show today from NBC Sports Boston. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Giardi. Mike, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode where we can talk about the Patriots and dive in. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we had you on the same show last year, and we were talking about Tom Brady turning 40 and whether or not he could do it again. And here we are one year later, the man's turning 41, and the questions keep being answered by the man. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable that you're, uh, this quarterback at, at that age was able to do what he did last year. And, and kind of when you look at his statistics, uh, and how he's performed over the better part of the last three years. You could maybe make the argument that the best three years of his career. So um, he is a a unique case study in uh, in longevity in this league at that position. Yeah, and at this point, it just seems foolish to doubt the man. He keeps reducing at such a high level, and it's hard to anticipate that there'd be any sort of decline. Yeah, I mean, there really have been no signs. I mean, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, there were some whispers that internally they felt like maybe his arm strength diminished as the year went on um and then you know last year they build a team that's taken more shots down the field than they had um dating back to the randy moss era and he performs as an mvp so uh, i guess they put that to bed and i guess he put that to bed and, and now we'll see you know sort of what it looks like this year where it's been a certainly it's been a different off season for him and for the franchise yeah it really was quite a wild off season for the patriots Rumors of Gronk retiring, Josh McDaniels reportedly taking a head coaching job and then coming back. Mike, what, in your opinion, was the most surprising event that took place this offseason? Well, I think one of the biggest things is actually something that happened off the field or more to the point that didn't happen. I think after 
you know, a, a year last year that was um, there were some clear divides organizationally, uh, personality-wise, between Belichick and Brady and and Belichick and and Robert Kraft. That the you know the feeling was that they'd all get together here this off season and they'd figure out you know what ailed them, what what was bothering them, and and how do we best address this and fix that? And you know, we've been reporting for well over a month that those meetings never happened. And there's more people reporting the same thing. And so you're kind of wondering, you know, is that, what does that mean? Has everybody just dug in their heels and we're not going to change and you're going to have to deal with the same sort of issues that you did last year? Or does that mean, you know, we're going to all be in the same building? Uh, you know, they actually, they're, they're all in the same building now today. We're all going to be in the same building for training camp. Um, and maybe that's where we can sort of have some individual meetings and sit down and sort of clarify um, and try to come to a better understanding of how we want to go moving forward and how we want this relationship to look like moving forward. And what role do you think being able to keep Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator uh, will have on the team going forward and, yeah, having that consistency in the play calling? Yeah, I believe Brady had a real uh, big um, hand in, in sort of getting in Josh's ear and staying in Josh's ear about about convincing him that, to not leave, to stay, to be the, you know, if you will, the buffer between he and Belichick. And, and obviously knowing that Bill is uh, either 66 or about to be 66, um, you know, how much longer he's, he said, you know, I don't want to be Marv Levy. I don't be walking on the sidelines, you know, at, at, you know, in my seventies and, and, and at 80. Um, so, you know, maybe the, the idea being, hey, look, you, you don't know how long he's going to be around. And uh, you know, you, you would be the guy that, uh, people around here in the organization would feel comfortable with. They've been they've been seeing you, watching you work for for the better part of uh, well over a decade now, with some you know some some disappearances there to Denver and to and to St. Louis at at one point. But by and large, they know who he is, and you know you would think that he would have the uh, the leg up on being Belichick's replacement. Right, Coach McDaniel's had such a profound impact on this team with him calling plays. Brady not only led the league in pass attempts, but also in yards. He ended up having a QB rating of 102.8, which was third um, in the National Football League. Is there any reason to expect decline from him going into this season? Until he stops doing it, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time. Going to have a hard time predicting it. Obviously, there's you know it's going to look a little different in the first four games because Edelman's going to be suspended and. Um, and there's no Danny Amendola, who was not necessarily a one-for-one exchange for Edelman because Julian does more things outside the numbers than than Danny is capable of doing or was capable of doing. Um, but you don't have either one of those guys, uh, Edelman for the first four, and obviously Amendola is now in Miami. So I think there's going to be a period there where uh, there might need to be some discovery as to who does what well and and who can get on the, on the page with Brady as fast as possible, because that's not always an easy thing to do. In fact, Brandon Cooks didn't miss a practice last year, and I know he put up reasonably good numbers, but they never were quite on the same page. And I think you saw that late in the year in Miami when uh, there was no Gronk, I believe. They were just they didn't have anybody to be the number one. They needed Cooks to be the number one, and Cooks couldn't get open that day. Right. Yeah, you mentioned Cooks is gone. Amendola is no longer in New England. I mean, the two of them combined for 200 targets for 126 receptions, 1,749 yards and nine touchdowns. Of course, Julian Edelman 
is missing those first four games with a PED suspension that we talked about. So, so what do you think will happen? Will Brady look to Gronk, or is he going to try to find his new weapon in Jordan Matthews, or is he going to be relying on Hogan or, or the running backs? How do you how do you see that shaking out in New England this year? Well, I'm one of those people that, first of all, you, you can't get Gronk enough touches. So right. if he gets three or four more uh, targets per game, I think uh, everybody should be fine with that because, as we well know, uh, he's relatively uncoverable. Um, but I like the idea. You know, they brought in a ton of uh, of receivers on short deals. You know, they brought Kenny Britt back after picking him up late last year. They signed Jordan Matthews. They drafted Barrios out of the University of Miami. Uh, they just brought in Devin Lucian, who was here a couple of years ago as a, and didn't make the team. They've got a ton of numbers there. I don't know how much talent they have there, aside from the top guys. So when I look at that, I say to myself, well, I know where you do have talent, and that's at the running back position. And I think they showed a lot more uh, of that 21 personnel last year um, with Deion Lewis, with Rex Burkhead. Obviously, Lewis is now gone to to the Titans, but you drafted Sony Michelle in the first round, and Sony Michelle looked very comfortable at passing camp to me. So I I think there's a real possibility that exists there. And then of course with James White, who is essentially a wide receiver who just so happens to wear a running back number. So I think between those three guys, I think you might be able to make up some of the production by using those backs out of the backfield. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point about finding those running backs. Now you mentioned Jordan Matthews. Now I think He's a guy who is really underrated. He, in the two seasons where he played 16 games, um, had over 100 targets both those years. Do you think he's a guy that could make a splash in New England, or is uh, is he just another guy? I think he's one of those guys that's going to be in the fight for his life to make the roster. Oh wow! Because I think when you look, I think well, I just think when you look at it, I think all of those guys are going to be given an opportunity to uh, see if they can shine. But I don't think that that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are sitting in there and saying he has to make the team. He has to make the team. I think you you put all those guys together and who has, who had the best spring, who carries that over into the summer, who carries that over into some of the preseason, you know, who does Tom like, you know, what seems to work with Tom out there. I think that's going to be critical. I mean, I would, I would tend to believe that Matthews makes the team because of his past experience, but you know, we've been here many times before with veteran receivers who think, Oh, well that, that guy will be, yeah, you know, it'd be a nice little pickup for them. And then come mid-August, uh, he's on the waiver wire. Yeah, Mike, that's an excellent point. It really is always difficult to know what you're getting when you bring a veteran in, uh, especially a guy like Matthews, who did struggle last year. Uh, it's hard to know what you're getting. Now, talking about Julian Edelman for a bit here, uh, we've seen what he can do with Brady when they're on the same page, but he missed all of last year with a grade three ACL tear. Now he's suspended for the first four games because of PEDs. Do you expect there to be some rust, or do you think Edelman will just bounce back to his 2016 form where he hauled in 98 catches for over 1,000 yards? What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I don't I don't really worry about those two guys being on the same page. The only thing that I would say is something that's worth watching uh, is what kind of player is Edelman when he comes back because you're not just talking about, obviously, coming back from the ACL reconstruction that cost him to miss all of last year. But now we're talking about being pop for PEDs and, um, you know, he, he's not taking it to court. He did his appeal. The appeal from what I was under, well, what my understanding was, was more about procedure, not about what he tested positive for. So essentially he admitted that he took something. Now, was he taking something that 
uh, you know, made him quicker, faster, stronger. And, and now can he not take that? And what will it do? I think that's, you know, we're not, he's not a young man. He's played a lot of football. I'm, I'm curious to see what the player looks like when he comes back. Um, but I will say for, for Julian, I do know that he, regardless of what's going in and out of his body, I do know that he, he puts in the work. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be watching that very closely. I think, I think a lot of people will to see if he can get back and be the same player he was prior to the injury or something close. Yeah, and Edelman's such a hard worker. I mean, I saw a story back in the beginning of June on NBC Sports Boston of Braden and Edelman working out at Gillette Stadium together. And I suspect he'll come back and have a solid season, even with missing those four games. Now, moving along to the running back position, a lot of turnover this year. As you mentioned, Deion Lewis is now a Titan, but the Pats brought in Jeremy Hill. They drafted Sony Michelle in the first round, and of course, they already had Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley, and James White. I mean, that's a lot of horses in the stable. Now, the Pats did run the ball effectively, as you know, of course. Um, they uh, averaged over 113 yards on 27 rushes per game. Both of those ranked 15th in the league. Uh, but they were really effective running the ball in the end zone. They ranked 5th in the NFL with 1.1 touchdowns per game. So my, my question for you is, do you think they'll continue to run the ball with a variety of running backs? Or do you think we could see a lead back emerge out of this backfield? I think you're looking at more of the same with the, you know, by committee. Uh, obviously, Deion Lewis, after about week five or six last year, sort of became the bell cow back. Uh, and part of that was because of injuries. And part of that was, quite frankly, he was just performing at a really high level, performing at the level that he was two years ago before he blew out his knee against the Redskins. And I think they finally realized, like, hey, um, he may be the best thing we had going in our offense, at least the most consistent thing they had going in their offense for a better part of last year. So he started getting more touches, but then you get down by the goal line and it was Burkhead who would come in and sort of vulture the touchdowns. They like the way he runs between the tackles. And like, look, you can't can't spend a first round pick on Tony Michelle and expect that they're not going to give him an opportunity to get some touches as well. And I think James White is always going to factor in, um, but largely, largely as a wide receiver and not as a runner. I think really then it comes down to you know, is it, is it Mike Gillisley who's making about two and a half million dollars a year, or is it Jeremy Hill who's making about a million? Uh, who can who can make the team? Who's who can show some value maybe beyond just uh, short yardage? You know, can they can someone step in and do some some stuff on special teams? Because obviously, there's the more you can do, the better better opportunity you have for making a football team. Yeah, it really is an interesting backfield. Now, a lot of the NFL analysts have compared. Sony Michelle to the likes of Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. And of course, there's a lot to be excited about, but do you think he can produce similar to those running backs in his rookie campaign? I, I love them at Georgia. I love both those backs at Georgia, uh, but I think the, you know, Chubb and, and Michelle, I, I think just Michelle was, was more explosive. Um, you know, he's, he's got some red flags in terms of the knee. And so people feel his bone on bone there. So, you know, this could be a, a one, a one four year, contract and that's it you don't even see the second year but you know how running backs work in this league but i think there's there's enough to be excited about by how he performed at georgia how he performed against some some terrific defenses how he performed in big games to to at least feel like there's an opportunity there uh for him to be an explosive playmaker for the team but again i i just look at white and burkhead i just He's, I don't know how many touches he's going to get. Like I could see him being an eight to 10 touch uh, guy, 10 to 12 touch guy, something like that. 
Um, is that enough to make the sort of Kamara-like impact? Um, I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's Kamara had a Kamara had a hell of a rookie year. People go back and look at some of the, the things that he accomplished last year as a rookie, and I don't know if I want to compare anybody to that because that was that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it it really was. Now, Mike, going to put you on the spot here. Who do you think will lead the Patriots carries this year? Do you think it's going to be Sony Michelle, or would you still give the edge to Rex Burkhead? Uh, I would say Burkhead. I would say Burkhead, but I think it's going to be close. I would I could see Burkhead and Michelle being uh, clustered fairly closely together, um, you know, for this team and how, and how they and how they run things and how they spread the football out. So I I, I don't imagine anyone's going to come anywhere near how many touches Deion Lewis got last year. Yeah, absolutely. And Deion Lewis is going to be a tough guy to replace with those 112 touches for over 1,100 yards. But Mike, I have one final question before I let you go today. And we've already talked about him briefly, but Robert Gronkowski has been a force when he is healthy, um, absolutely dominating the league at times. Uh, Do you think he could actually be in line for an increased workload this season, especially with Edelman being out at the beginning of the year? I could see an increased workload for sure at the beginning of the year. Um, and I expect the same thing that I've, you know, I, he showed up last year. He was relatively healthy. I think he missed just the two games last year. Um, and I think the second one was more precautionary. Uh, and, you know, you saw him take over games, including, you know, at one point taking over that Super Bowl where you just, you're wondering, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And all of a sudden, bam, there he is. And well, guess what? They can't stop him just like, you know, everybody else couldn't stop him. Took over the Pittsburgh game late against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, which was a huge game in the in the race for the top seed in the NFC as well. I, I just think he's uh, he's unique at that position. You, the only thing you have to worry about him is obviously he's been health. You know, I think he's after a kind of an off season of whispers about whether he wanted to play or not. I think he's he's fully committed. Committed. I know he's been training and training a ton. Um, you know, doing a lot of that TV 12 stuff, but doing some other stuff that he needs to do to be a, to be a legit blocking tight end in the league. So I, I have a, if he's healthy, he'll put up, he'll put up ridiculous numbers. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, absolutely. He is one of the best to have ever played that position. And he is so much fun to watch um, every Sunday, run around on that field, just dominating the game. Um, I totally agree. I think he's going to have a monster year. Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you. And uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you again next year. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. Again, that was Mike Giardi at NBC Sports Boston. Please do follow him on Twitter at Mike Giardi. He has a lot of great insight for you as you get ready for the NFL season and your drafts. But even throughout the season, giving you all the information that you need to know about the Patriots. So check him out. Let's take a look at some of the things Mike talked about during the interview, and let's start with Tom Brady. As we know, Tom Brady finished the season as a top three quarterback last year, but is it realistic to expect the same? Well, Mike believes there's a lot of reason to assume that things will continue on as they always have been, and I agree with him. If you look at what he did last year, he was able to put together a solid season where he led the league in yards, attempts, and was third in touchdowns after losing his primary weapon in Julian Edelman before the season started. I expect him to have a great year, even without Edelman, for those first four games. And I believe he'll be able to find other targets, like Mike suggested, whether it's running backs coming out of the backfield or even James White lining up in the receiver position. 
um, as well as finding players like Chris Hogan, Jordan Matthews, and of course Robert Gronkowski. I think there's a lot of reason to believe Tom Brady can finish the year right where he did last year. In fact, in his last three seasons, he's averaged close to 290 yards passing per game. He's put up unbelievable numbers as far as touchdown-interception ratio, and he could finish the year as a number two quarterback overall, which is where I have him ranked, right behind Aaron Rodgers. To me, he's a safe bet, and if you want to go quarterback early, he's the guy you want. Now let's talk about this distribution of where these passes are going. Mike suggested that Gronk could see an uptick in targets, which could lead to an absolutely ridiculous year. Even if you would just add three targets a game, it would be a massive increase for Robert Gronkowski, who averages 10.3 yards per target. That means you're seeing an extra 30 yards a game, which could result over a year in 32 receptions for 494 and three and a half additional touchdowns over what many people might be projecting. If you just add those numbers to what Gronk did last year, you're looking at about 100 receptions for 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns. That would be an outrageous number that not, not only should Gronkowski be your tight end number one, but he has the potential to produce like a high-end wide receiver one. Just think about that. In a position that can be as scarce as tight end, you have the upside of a player that can produce with wide receiver one numbers. I love Gronkowski this year, and I agree with Mike when he says that he could just have a dominant year. The only thing standing in Gronk's way is injuries. I think even when Julian Edelman gets back, Gronkowski will continue to feast this year. He will have a spectacular year. Now, another player that I'm high on is Julian Edelman. He is currently being drafted in the middle to end of the seventh round, which is the same place as Chris Hogan. And I know there's been a lot of debate between the two players. And I just want to take a few minutes to talk about what my expectations are after hearing Mike Giardi's comments on the position. Now, he believes that Julian Edelman and Tom Brady will pick up right where they left off. He doesn't suspect too much rust. He does wonder... Um, a little bit about an aging Edelman, but even if you give Edelman a slight downtick in production, you can still expect him to have a great season on a per-game basis. Now, I might not draft Edelman in a best ball type league, but if you're doing a weekly league where it only matters what your player is getting per game, I think Julian Edelman is an absolute value. I project him to get 122 targets, which would be about 74 receptions for 841 yards and five touchdowns. Now, this is a great production for someone that you get in the seventh round. Now, Chris Hogan is a guy many people are high on as well, but in two years with the Patriots, his best season was only 38 receptions for 680 yards and four touchdowns. Now, last year, he did manage to score five touchdowns, and he did that in only nine games. But I don't think he's going to have the target share needed to deliver on his relatively high ADP, which is right around the end of the sixth round. Now, Chris Hogan's target share was only 16.9%. And if you compare that to Julian Edelman, who had a target share of 29.3%, and you can get him a full round or two later, to me, Edelman is the value pick. And I would much rather have Edelman who's going right there, but he has a much higher points per game projection, which to me is so important. 
I think you can find a wide receiver later in the rounds that you can put in there for those first four games that Julian Edelman's out. And then once playoff time comes, you're going to love having Edelman that you can slot into your lineup and get you those high point totals as a wide receiver too. Now Mike Giardi and I also talked a little bit about Jordan Matthews, and he said he wasn't sure he was going to make the team, but thought he probably would. Now I'm not suggesting you go and spend premium on a guy like Jordan Matthews, but I do think he has some potential, especially in those first four weeks. As we mentioned earlier in the show, in seasons where he has had 16 games, he's had over 100 targets in those seasons. And I think he could have a really, really solid year with the New England Patriots. It's a low-risk play, and he's being drafted in the 14th round. We'll also know pretty quick whether or not Jordan Matthews is worth holding on to. If he isn't producing with Edelman out, you can pretty much be assured that he won't do much once Edelman's in there, and he's a guy you can probably get rid of. But his upside is 75 to 85 receptions with over 800 yards and 8 touchdowns, which is similar to the numbers he had in Philly, and I think it would be unwise to completely write him off based just on the poor production that he had in Buffalo. So if you're looking for a late-round flyer, Jordan Matthews is your guy. But let's get into the the bones of this thing. Let's talk about the New England Patriots backfield, because that's where there's a lot of potential to shape the fantasy landscape. Now, Mike had a pretty hot take there where he expects Rex Burkhead and not Sony Michelle to lead the Pats in touches. This really is quite the statement. It's counter to what you're seeing in a lot of ADPs. Now, in a way, it's not too surprising that Sony Michelle is going two rounds ahead of Burkhead because he has just insane potential and his ceiling is Dion Lewis plus. I mean, this guy, if the NFL analysts are right about him and he is an Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt type player, if he gets the touches, he could absolutely go haywire in that offense. But there's a lot of downside too. You're grabbing a player awfully early who might be seeing split backfield and may even be seeing fewer fewer touches than the player going after him. Michelle's ADP is right around 50, which is about the second pick in the fifth round as a 25th running back off the board. Now, if you compare that to Rex Burkhead, who is an average draft position of 77, which puts him about middle of the seventh round in your typical 12-team league as a 33rd running back off the board, you're looking at, you know, pretty significant difference in draft capital. So let's use some of Mike Giardi's insights into analyzing what could take place. Mike thinks that Sony Michelle is in line for about 8 to 10 touches per game. Contrasting that to stating that he believes Rex Burkhead is going to be the lead back. So when I put these numbers into the machine, I got some interesting results that I'd love to share with you. But before I do that, let me explain real quickly what the projection machine does. It creates fantasy projections using a top-down approach that starts with team scoring margins and play-calling tendencies then ends with projecting usage shares for offensive skill position. And one thing I really like about the projection machine is it allows you to adjust some of the settings to make room for what your expectations are. So I went ahead and used Mike Giardi's predictions about the split and carries and how many touches he expects for Sony Michelle to try and analyze what might take place. And the results were pretty interesting. I project Rex Burkhead to get 155 carries for 689 yards, 33 receptions for 261 yards, and 7 total touchdowns. In compared to Sony Michelle's 148 carries for 634 and 29 receptions for 202 yards and 6 total touchdowns. 
Basically, I'm expecting about 50 more yards on the ground and 60 more yards and an extra touchdown for Rex Burkhead. I know there isn't a tremendous difference there, but recall that you can get Rex Burkhead a full two rounds later than Sony Michelle. Now, most people think of Rex Burkhead as this big running back running right down the center of the field, but this guy can do a lot more than that. Most people may not realize, but Rex Burkhead actually had more targets than Deion Lewis last year. Think about that. This is a running back that's going to see goal line work, is projected as far as Mike Giardi is concerned to have the most touches coming out of the backfield, and you can also catch passes. At the current ADP, give me Rex Burkhead. He is a guy that I am so high on this year at his current draft position. Now, in a dynasty league, Sony Michelle might have a little bit more fantasy value for me, but even there, Mike Giardi mentioned the injury concerns, and and I'm a little bit more hesitant than the average person. Now, I won't lie to you, Sonny Michel has the potential to be a season winner for you if he hits, but I just don't think the odds are very likely that that will take place. And that's going to do it for the Patriots episode of the 2018 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. I'm Stéphane LeCoe, and you can find me on Twitter at StéphaneLeCoe. Hit me up there and we can discuss some of these takes that I had on the Patriots. You can let me know what you agree with, what you disagree with, and we can have a good conversation from there. And of course, we want to thank our guest, Mike Giardi from NBC Sports Boston. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter, at Mike Giardi. Thank you again for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at rotavizradio. And remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. You can find that at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. 